Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host for today's broadcast, Dwayne Sheriff. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Truth and Liberty. I'm your host today, Dwayne Sheriff, and I'm excited about being with you. This is a interactive program, and you can call in and ask questions or hopefully even offer some comments that would be edifying, hopefully, to the body of Christ and an encouragement to our brothers and sisters. That's what Truth and Liberty is all about, is getting you not only information, but inspiration in the affairs that are going on in our world today, and how do we need to respond as believers. So we welcome your calls. The number is 719-719-619-2341. That's 719-619-2341. And a lot of times I fail to mention the prayer line, which is absolutely profound and awesome here at AWMI. And I want to encourage you that if you have any needs in your life, we have a 24-hour prayer line with people that are well-equipped and trained to minister to you, to agree with you in prayer, and to, and to just help you get through things. Man, we got some things on the horizon we're going to need prayer for, and uh, you need to get familiar with our prayer team and partners. That number is 719-635-1111. 719-635-1111. And so that's open as well as our call-in line. And um, again, we welcome you to call in. I've got some announcements that, man, are super encouraging and uh, I believe will be a tremendous blessing to you. Uh, tomorrow's program with Alex McFarland, my friend Alex McFarland, I've had him on this show with me as a guest host well, he's hosting tomorrow's program, and he has David Horowitz as a guest. And this is a tremendous thinker of our time. And uh, David is a strong conservative and full of wisdom. And that is going to be an awesome interview. So that's to tomorrow night right here at Truth and Liberty with Alex McFarland. Also, we have coming to Karis Campus to the Bible College here in Woodland Park, Flashpoint 2024. And that is a tremendous ministry that is speaking into the current events of our time and uh, bringing us, if you will, even prophetic insight of the times and discerning the times. So that's Flashpoint. They'll be right here on the Karis Bible College campus at 800 Gospel Truth Way, Woodland Park, Colorado, 80863. The speakers, of course, will be Gene uh, Bailey, Andrew Walmack, Lance Walnow, Kylie Jean Tannehill, Mike Lindell, Hank Kuhneman, Luke Ball, and Rick Green. You can register for that right here at awmi slash 
net, or excuse me, awmi.net slash events. And that's February the 8th and February the 9th. It's right around the corner. And you just don't want to miss that. Uh, the partnership we have with Flashpoint is a beautiful thing. And the body of Christ reaching out to the entire body of Christ, especially in regards to current events. So that's February the 8th and February the 9th. And for your, for your registration, it's awmi.net slash events. It'll be 7 p.m. on the 8th mountain time and 7 p.m. on the 9th mountain time. And there's a lot of speakers in there. If you'll go to the website, it'll take you to the times and other things that will be going on during the day where you can participate as well. That's February the 8th and the 9th, Flashpoint, right here at Karis Bible College. Our next announcement is Riverside Gospel Truth Conference 2024. This is in California. In California, Riverside, California. It's February the 15th and the 17th. February the 15th and the 17th. It's at the Riverside Convention Center, 3637 Fifth Street, Riverside, California. The guest speakers are Andrew Walmack and, oh, look at here, Dwayne Sheriff. Hallelujah. I love these conferences and I'll be with my friend Andrew and it will be exciting. I look forward to meeting many of you and just getting to hear your story and what God's doing in your life. That's Riverside, California, February the 15th through the 17th. Again, you can register at awmi.net slash events. Want to remind you of the website and how that we have a 24-7 news feed that's updated every 15 minutes with current events and with the news of our, of our time from conservative resources. And that will be a blessing to you. And brothers and sisters, let me encourage you. We've got some challenging times coming up in this next election, and you're going to need information. And it is difficult to find news. We really don't have news in many of our main so-called news outlets. They're propaganda machines. They're narrative spinners and have an agenda. And they, they literally hate anything that's near and dear to God. And they love the things that God hates. And so it is difficult to get information and make wise decisions or wise judgment calls. We've got some decisions we're going to have to be making here in the near future. And we're going to need the wisdom of God. We're going to need to, to know God's word and know God's voice in, in making certain judgment calls. And that is one of the things I want to share in my time with you in this particular session is making righteous judgments, how that we have to learn to make righteous judgments. And you can't make a judgment call in righteousness if you have false information, fraudulent information. And so you need good information in order to make good decisions or good judgment calls. I was actually uh, watching some news and just scanning the news, trying to stay up to speed. And on one of the 10 spies networks, one of the 10 spy networks, the anchor quoted Jesus. And that got my attention. And this, this, this anchor, like many of the anchors on these outlets, they're, they're corrupt. 
They, they do not speak the truth, much less speak it in truth. And here's an anchor who I know is, is, is propagating false accusations and, and lies against people they don't like. And he starts quoting Jesus. And I couldn't believe it. He said, Jesus said that we are to judge not lest we be judged. And so he began to put down Christians and conservatives, specifically Christians, for making judgment calls. And, and then, again, quoting Jesus, who said we shouldn't judge. Brothers and sisters, that is exactly what the devil wants you to not do, is to judge, and specifically judge righteously. The quality of your life, the quality of your families, your, your, your vocations, your, your relationships, and the healthy ones are based on righteous judgment and being able to judge with a righteous judgment. Judgment is a part of the image of God in man. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, we see from Moses that God created man in his own image and in his own likeness. We are image bearers of, of, of the nature of God. Look at verse 26. It says, then God said, they just put that up for me. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. And then because of the image of God in man and us being like God, not God's, but like God created by God in his image, he gave us dominion. And then verse 27 goes on to say, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God is the author of our gender, and uh, that gender is either male or female, and male and female is a part of original creation. It, it was created by God before sin ever entered the world. Male and female as God's creation is as part of the woven creation of the cosmos, the universe, the earth itself, as anything you can name. And yet people don't know how to make a sound judgment anymore on how many genders there, there are. And it's because sin has blitzed and blighted the image of God and so rather than making good, righteous judgments, people are making unrighteous judgments. You're going to judge. Everybody judges. That's God's image in man. And you're either going to make righteous, sound, godly judgments, or you're going to make unrighteous, ungodly, unsound judgments, because that's God's image. God's image in man is work. God worked. We work. The animals don't have the image of God. They don't work. They eat. We work. God is a creator. We create. We create art. We create buildings. We create highways. We create hospitals. We create schools. That's the image of God in man. And we could go on and on with God's image in man, but one of the images of God in man is judging and making righteous sound judgments. This anchor was actually quoting Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 and we're going to look at this in detail here in a minute but in Matthew 7 1 Jesus said judge not that you be not judged 
judge not that you be not judged. And here's this anchor saying that Christians shouldn't judge certain situations and issues in the culture, and we shouldn't be judging. I remember when Bill Clinton committed his whatever he did in the White House, uh, and I was having to deal with this publicly because we have a generation of young people that have to be taught what is right and wrong, what is God, what is the devil, what is moral, what is immoral, what are the values and, 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 and morals that are near and dear to the heart of God and the nature of God. And so here I'm trying to deal with this issue because it's a public issue. I felt I had the need to at least address it. And uh, man, I had Christians coming up to me going, and I'm, I'll never forget it, brother. They always start off with brother. Brother, we shouldn't judge. They just did. When someone looks at you and says, you shouldn't judge, they just did. They judged you for judging. Everybody judges. And you're either going to judge with righteous judgment. You're either going to judge with a wholesome, godly judgment, or you're going you're gonna to judge with negative, destructive judgment and, and destroy not only your life, but your family's. We, we are judging all the time. To judge literally means, and the word, uh, if, you'll, if you'll just even look it up in a dictionary, it means to decide. It means to discern. It means to assess or have an opinion about a situation. We all have opinions about right or wrong, and we need to have righteous opinions versus unrighteous opinions. You can't raise children if you, if you don't know how to judge. You have to make judgment calls, what time they're going to go to bed, what they're going to eat, what they're not going to eat, who they're going to hang out with and, and run around with. That is a part of judging. And we have to learn this as New Testament believers. And when that man said that, I was literally just grieved in my spirit that he's such a deceiver and here now he's invoking Jesus and the name of Jesus to deceive Christians, not to judge. That network needs to be judged. The misinformation that's coming out of that network habitually, daily, has to be judged. And if you don't judge it, you're going to believe lies. And if you believe lies, you're going to be ensnared by the enemy himself. Let's look at John chapter 7, and then I'll come back to Matthew chapter 7. So John chapter 7, Jesus is, is teaching as usual, and he kind of ends his teaching in verse 24 with this admonition. This is Jesus now, and we'll come back again. What did Jesus mean in Matthew chapter 7? Judge not that you be not judged. We'll come back and look at that. But look at what Jesus said here. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. That is a command, brothers and sisters. We are commanded not to judge anything by appearance, but then we're also commanded to make a righteous judgment. That is awesome. So first of all, the very people saying especially on the 10 spies networks that we shouldn't judge 
are judging conservatives and Republicans and Christians and anyone who disagrees with their narrative, and they're doing it after appearance. They're actually doing the complete opposite of what Jesus said. That man that said Jesus said we shouldn't judge, he was judging everything and everybody by appearance. If you listen to these people, they have blanket judgments against all kinds of different groups, and they're judging by appearance. And as a Christian, number one in righteous judgment is we cannot judge by appearance. This, this makes it difficult in our culture today because not all things are as they appear. And it's difficult to get facts. It's difficult to get the truth. That's why we need men of God and women of God to step up in this hour and speak the truth in love so immature Christians can grow up into Jesus now in all things. We cannot, we cannot transition from immaturity in the church to maturity if we don't know how to quit judging by appearance. And then number two in judgment, make a righteous judgment. A righteous judgment is one based in the truth. It's based in the word of God. It's based in the Judeo-Christian principles of God's kingdom. It's, it's, a, it's a judgment that aligns with God's judgment. I can find it safe to judge whatever God has already judged. Whatever God has judged is a righteous judgment. This is why I can never pass final judgment on any human being. God is not through with us. God is not through with them, and we can never pass final judgment on another human being. That, that lies within the hands of the Lord because we don't know their heart. We don't know what God's doing. We don't know how close they are either to repentance, a change in direction, a change in thought. Man, when I think of, of Saul of Tarsus, public number, in, public number one enemy to the church, and then he meets Jesus, and I mean, he has a conversion. And now he went from Saul the persecutor number one persecutor of the church, to Paul, the Apostle Paul, the number one preacher in the church. Some of the people that our flesh wants to pass final judgment on may be the next Saul of Tarsus. Um, and, and we need to be, be careful uh, in passing final judgment. So in righteous judgment, we're safe judging what God has judged. God has already judged that adultery is wrong. So me judging adultery is wrong is a righteous judgment. Whatever God has declared within morals and immorals, we can make righteous judgments. Whatever God has said, when God says the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, do not be deceived, for these people are appointed for the wrath of God, I can make a righteous judgment in that. And I can say publicly that if you're going to embrace and celebrate and, and legislate immorality, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God unless you find repentance unless you are converted and repent of your sins. And, you know, many of the people that have contributed to the, to the cultural rot that we're experiencing today have repented. Uh, you can go back and see 
uh, even how they were a part of history in a unrighteous judgment, but they found faith in Jesus and, and they have reversed their own opinion even in the legislative world. Uh, Roe versus Wade comes to mind that the lady who promoted that and that lawsuit led to the, to the exterminating of millions of lives uh, in the womb found repentance and she became an activist not for abortion, but against abortion. And you can look that up, and that's, that's powerful. It gives me hope for all these people that I know are instruments right now of unrighteousness. God can, can still save them. And so I have to be careful. You have to be careful not to pass final or condemning judgment on anyone. Uh, that's in the hands of the Lord. But number one, we are not to judge by appearance. And that's what the world is doing right now. They'll say things about black people that is judging people by appearance. They'll say things about all white people that's judging people by appearance. They'll say things about Christians and all Christians judging by appearance. Uh, and God forbids us to do that. That's number one. Number two, we have to make righteous judgments. We've got an election coming up, brothers and sisters, that there are things that we're not prepared for, I believe, honestly, in my heart. I'm believing for the prophets to speak up. I'm believing for visions and dreams to prepare us for the violence that's ahead. If the left in this country, if those that have embraced evil and darkness do not get their way, they will turn to violence. That's the history of the Bible. That's the history of our of our world, and, and I do see violence on the horizon if the election goes a certain way, if it doesn't go their way. And uh, I wonder if we're prepared for that. I wonder if we're prepared for the false accusations and the, and the, the, the slander that's going to happen. It took me years to figure out how to even read the media, the national media at large. Now, there are exceptions to this, and there are some good, some good journalists. They're out there, and I believe God's raising up more. But most of what is called journalism today is not journalism. And they actually, in the media and in politics that goes corrupt, they will constantly accuse their opponent of what they're guilty of. In other words, when the national media is saying so-and-so is this, they're that. And you almost have to read the media with a dyslexic eye and a dyslexic heart. I think, uh, you know, I suffered, many of you don't know me, but I suffered greatly from dyslexia and I basically was healed of it miraculously reading the Bible. That reading the Bible, the first book I believe I read from cover to cover was the Bible because I struggled with reading. I was very severely struck with dyslexia and reading was very difficult. The, the, the words jumping and reversing and God healed me. And I read through the whole Bible and have read it multiple times. Again, it's health to my flesh. Uh, it really actually healed me. On the other hand, I have a residue of it. I don't know if that's a reminder from God or if like, Jacob, I walk with a limp <laughs> because I'll have a, a dyslexic moment every now and then and I get tickled at myself. 
But the severe dys- dyslexia I had, I got healed of. Well, when I listen to the national media, if they're accusing somebody of Russian collusion, you can almost bet they have colluded with the Russians. If they accuse somebody of being a fascist, you can almost bet they're fascist. And on and on I can go. And so we have to learn and be prepared not to believe these reports that are going to be coming out because they're going to accuse their opponent of what they are guilty of. Again, people ask me, do I still believe? And is my judgment called that the last election 2020 was fraudulent and had election interference? Of course I do. They're doing it right now. They are interfering already with this election. They are already prosecuting and trying to incarcerate a political opponent, and it's all political, and we'll see a day if we don't if we don't know how to righteously judge soon and we don't know how to hear God on how do we vote and how do we turn this around, we're going to become a police state full-blown where like the FBI that is raiding homes of pro-life peaceful protesters, that's in the news now. I almost covered a story of a a pro-life protester that peacefully protested a year over a year and a half ago and and the FBI raided his home and arrested him with guns and and ready to go to battle uh, and yet that same FBI stands by silent when our streets are being burned down the summer of love just a couple of summers ago where entire blocks were blocked off and people were killed and and armed and burning and looting and nothing happening to them. That's what's happened in the corruption of our government. And unless we start making righteous judgments, unless we get discernment, unless we get information of the facts and act accordingly, we're going to wake up one day and our churches are going to be shut down. Our Bible is going to be banned. It's going to be called hate speech. You're going to be forbidden to read it. I'm going to be forbidden to preach it. Right now, you come under censorship, which is a part of the police state. You you come under this lawfare. The warfare in our politics is turning to lawfare. And the courts are going to be deciding the elections pretty soon and not and not the individuals. It's because we've made unrighteous judgments and we've empowered people to to persecute literally us and prosecute us. And the Bible teaches if they could, they would execute us that love Jesus. That's the path we're on and we got to get off of it. And we got to get off of it now. Our FBI is corrupt and it has to be dealt with. And and we need somebody in there that's going to deal with it and and confront it. And I could go on and go on. We just heard that Elon Musk in the news, you know, has successfully transplanted a, a chip into the first human brain. Man, we're on a path of literal destruction and we need to judge righteously. We need to know how to judge, when to judge, what to judge, what not to judge, and then make righteous judgments. Let's obey Jesus I'll go back to Matthew chapter 7 when I come out of this break, and I'll break down for you how Jesus said judge and what he meant by judge not lest you be judged. 
I wish that anchor from the 10 Spies networks was able to hear this and really embrace it. But they won't. They won't. They'll do anything to keep you from obeying Jesus. I'm not going to judge anything by appearance, but I'm going to make a righteous judgment, a judgment based in truth, a judgment based in the facts, a judgment based in kingdom principles and Judeo-Christian principles that are eternal that we get from the word of God. We've got to start judging righteously. We got to quit condemning people and attacking people. That is not righteous judgment. And so I'll get into that after the break. I'll be back in 90 seconds. With practical government, you have experts in the fields that are sharing their perspective, wisdom and experience. It's not available anywhere else in the world. We're going to teach a Christian heritage of our American government. They're going to learn about the Founding Fathers. We're teaching the Constitution, how government operates, practical skills, and field study. No matter where you're coming from, the world needs you. Whatever God's calling you to do, you're able to do it. To learn more, visit practicalgovernmentschool.com. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. Hi, my name is Carrie Pickett, and like many of you, I wear lots of hats. But most of all, I'm a child of God. Ever since I was young, my desire has been to share the unconditional love of God. There is nothing more rewarding to me than people changing their lives and then changing the world. That's why I'm inviting you to join me wherever you are, and let's discover together these foundational truths that will transform your life. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Dwayne Sheriff, your host today, and I'm just sharing on basic righteous judgment and how to make good judgments. The judgments you make in life will determine the quality or kind of life you make and that you live. If you make poor life choices, judgments, then you're going to experience a quality of life Jesus never intended for you. So as New Testament believers, we need to learn how to judge, but we need to learn to judge righteously. And man, I'm already getting questions coming in that are awesome and, uh, and, and, and profound, if you will. And so I want to invite you to call. Uh, the number is 719-619-2341. We'll be taking your calls during the next two segments and just your input and comments. And we welcome those. And so let's go back to Matthew. I opened up with Matthew chapter 7. Verse 1, with an anchor on the 6 o'clock news <laughs> of one of, these, one of these networks that is just profoundly propagating a narrative and falsehoods. And, and, and yet this anchor claimed to have been a backslidden Christian. I don't know if that was even true or not, but it brought a new light to being backslidden said that Jesus said to judge not that you will not be judged. And his whole point was, is how Christians make these judgments and that we shouldn't be judging anybody and anything and any of these situations. In other words, we're just supposed to go along to get along 
and follow follow these these false prophets and shepherds in our culture, these false messiahs uh, off the cliff. These people are blind, and unfortunately, they'll lead the blind right off the cliff. And so it really stirred me up with, well, what did Jesus say, and what did Jesus mean? In Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, judge not that you be not judged. Now he begins to explain that comment. This is why you have to read all of the Word of God. You have to truly look for context. After, after verse 1, he goes into verse 2, and he says, For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So number one, we've seen we can't judge after appearance, which that's what racism is all about in our culture. Number two, we're commanded, though, to make a righteous judgment. Then number three, Jesus said, number three, the way you judge, you will be judged. So this is important to Christians. This is important even as we have to face things on the horizons uh, that are to come because we've got to start making some sound judgment calls of what's going on in our culture. What are we going to yield to? What are we going to participate in? What are we going to submit to God and resist the devil over? That's called judgment. You have to judge what is God and submit to it. What is the devil and resist that? That takes discernment. That takes righteous judgment. And so number three, he cautions us, and we should judge carefully and cautiously. No matter what the situation is, whether it's our children and trying to deal with them, a work-related issue, our politics, all of these things, we do have to be careful and cautious knowing how we judge is how we will be judged. So let me just give you a heads up. I'm going to judge mercifully. I'm going to be merciful in my judgments. I'm going to be kind, as kind as the fruit of the Spirit I can be developed in is. I'm going to be patient, long-suffering with people. And so I'm going to judge, but I'm going to make righteous judgments, and I'm going to judge the way I want to be judged. So that was number three, and that's verse two. Verse 3 says, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not consider the plank that is in your own eye? Look at this next verse. He goes on to say in the next verse, Or how can you say to your brother, Let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. A plank is in your own eye. So number 4 we have to judge ourselves first. We have to judge ourselves first. And, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, that's a reference. You can look that up. It says a spiritual man judges all things. The world tells us not to judge. The Bible tells us a spiritual man judges all things, yet he is judged of no man. We, we are not judged with negative judgment by any other man, but we should judge our own hearts. So before I try to help somebody with a fault, a failure, a moral lapse, I have to judge my own heart first. And this will keep you humble, brothers and sisters. This will keep you meek and, and kind because before you judge others in any situation, you have to judge your own heart first. And a lot of times you never get out of that process 
to get to the other. But notice again in verse 4, how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. I can't be trying to get a toothpick out of my brother's eye. That's called judgment. If there's a telephone pole coming out of my eye, <laughs> I'm going to be banging his forehead with, with the telephone pole, a fence post coming out of my eye, and I'm looking for a toothpick in his eye. I first have to get the telephone pole or the fence post out of my own eye. But then look at verse 5. He goes on to say, hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So in other words, judgment and the purpose of judgment is for restoration. It's to recover someone. It's the love of God. It's not self-righteous. It's not condescending. It's not condemning. It's not I'm right, you're wrong, I'm better than you. No, it's I love you. And this speck in your eye is going to hurt or harm you. And I, I'm, I'm making a righteous judgment. And in that righteous judgment, I want to help get it out of your eye. So number one, I judge nothing by appearance. Number two, however I judge is how I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, be judged. Number three, I, I need to judge cautiously and carefully. Number four, I need to judge myself first. And then number five, I need to be in a position where I can serve somebody even in righteous judgment. So those things are powerful. They're so important. And again, we're coming into a world as we come to the end of this age, I believe, where we almost have to make judgments daily on what is good and what is evil. What is God and what is God doing? You have to judge, discern, assess, determine. That's called judgment, the verb judgment. The noun judge is a person, but the verb judge is an action. It's a verb, and we have to, we have to be better equipped to judge righteously. And so I appreciate the opportunity to share some of those things. I want to take some of your qual calls and begin to answer some questions, hopefully. Uh, let's take our first call. Uh, Karen from Arkansas, you're first up. Uh, what is your question? Or comment, please. Yes, um, I um, have prayed for healing, and I've received a lot of healings. Um, but there's one that has not gone through. Um, I believe uh, I have received it in the spiritual realm. It has not been transferred over to the physical realm. But I believe that Jesus has already done this. And Amen. I'm perplexed. Yeah, I'm perplexed on if you maybe if you have a word of knowledge and you could tell me where to go from here. Yeah, I'm not sure about the gift of the word of knowledge. I'm always open to that. and The Lord uses me in that way. Uh, I'd like to see that gift even more developed in this kind of format. I usually I usually operate in that when I'm when I'm close to somebody and I don't, I don't understand totally how that works. It's as the Lord wills. But a word of knowledge from the, from the scriptures is you're, you're in the right position. You're making a righteous judgment, which you're to be commended for in the context of what I'm sharing today, that by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. But there are always in this world 
I believe for everyone, opportunities that our faith is being tested. Our faith is being tried. And I don't fully understand how that works. The Lord tested Abraham. The Lord tested Israel in the wilderness. Uh, And so there are these seasons where our faith is on trial. Our faith is being tested. And that's why the Bible encourages us, Karen, to stand. That once you believe a certain way and you believe God hears you and you believe you have, this is the confident. First John chapter four or first John chapter five, I think it's verse um, 14 says, this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know we have, notice it's past tense. We have the petitions that we have asked of him. So there is a point where we've asked, you've done that. You believe you receive, you're doing that. You believe you have it when you pray, not when you see it. And then now though, we have to stand. So the only word of knowledge I have for you is we've all had issues where we're trusting God, we've prayed according to his will, we've believed we receive, and now we have to stand and fight the good fight of faith. Um, I had I had a massive, a massive heart attack uh, four four years ago, January 2020, and I had a disease I didn't even know I had. I'd never been to a doctor. I had stood on my healing for for all my life, and and when I would get attacked, I would I would receive. I would get an answer to prayer, and I would overcome. Um, 100% of the time. And then now all of a sudden, I found out I've got this disease that my grandmother and my mother had. And uh, my arteries are so tiny that my heart is collapsing. And, uh, and so, man, that was a, 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 a fiery trial. And I had to fight for my life. I had to fight for my ministry. I literally died and went to heaven. And, and spoke to Jesus and even talked to him about the ministry. Am I done? I didn't want to go to heaven if I wasn't done. And the Lord said, no, I wasn't done. He gave me a choice of staying or coming back. And I chose to come back because I want to finish my race. The devil took me out and I'm not going out that way. I'm going out in God's timing. He's going he's gonna to give me long life and the number of my days he's going to fulfill. He's going to satisfy me the the Bible says, with long life. And so anyway, I get back in my body and I had to fight. I had to fight for my, for my life and for my body to respond. And it took a while for me to stand, but I had to stand. Man, I had to fight like I was the third monkey on the ramp to the ark, Noah's ark, and it was raining. And so I had to fight. I had to submit to God and his word and resist the devil that he would flee. And so it took time and it may take time, but you need to rest assured God's still working. This is difficult to explain with brevity in a format like this. But if I was counseling someone like you, I would also tell them that, look, God is working in this. He's not doing this to you. He's not withholding his promises, but you're being tested. Your faith is being tested. That's why you doubt. That's why you waver. Your faith is being tested. So fight the good fight of faith, Karen, and stand. Keep listening to God. 
He may adjust you. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. There may be something that's given this place. There may not be something that's giving this place. So you need to stay in prayer and keep fighting, just like for our country. You know, I know God's will for our country is not the path we're on, but it's not going to change overnight. We're going to have to stand. And after doing all to stand, we're going to have to stand. And we're going to have to be clothed in the armor of God and fight these principalities. So I hope that helped. Is there a follow-up that you might have? No, um, that is wonderful. Um, and and I will. I will stand and I will fight and I will resist. And um, Amen. And thank you. Speak to thank it. Thank you so much. Let me, let, me, yes. let me follow up because there's other people that want to call. Man, I can't believe how many thousands of people watch these shows, but they won't call. I've never called a show, so I get it. But they need to hear this. When I say fight, the good fight of faith, I'm not saying we fight to get it like God's withholding it. No, we fight the enemy from stealing it. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We're not fighting for victory. We have the victory. We're fighting, though, from victory. And so rest in the finished work of Jesus. Speak to the, speak to the problem. Speak to the mountain and tell it that you will not separate me from the love of God, Romans chapter 8, verses 32 through about 34, and that God's word will be manifest in my body. So thanks so much for calling. I appreciate it, Karen. All right, we've got some other questions that have come in. And man, some of these are just really, really difficult. They're from some thinkers, I believe. These are anonymous people. Um, is righteous judgment only for God? Uh, no, that's what John seven twenty four says, that Jesus, who was God, didn't say God is the only one that can judge righteously. He commanded us in John seven twenty four to judge nothing by appearance, but make a righteous judgment. I just want to encourage the um, deeper thinkers that are among us uh, to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I won't take time to go there right now, but 1 Corinthians chapter 5 is a, a, a deep, profound example of church dis discipline and the Apostle Paul having to make a judgment call. He made a judgment call. He made a righteous judgment call. There was a man there sleeping with his stepmother, and they were, they were bragging about it. They were, they were boasting about the grace of God and how that this was okay. And Paul said, it's not okay. It's like leaven. Uh, sexual perversion will destroy our bodies. It'll corrupt our souls. It can corrupt an entire culture. Uh, that was what Israel experienced going into the land of Canaan and all the different cultures were plagued with sexual perversion that was destroying their very culture. Some of the greatest cultures in human history have fallen because of sexual perversion. And so he's dealing with it and he's talking about a righteous judgment and invoking church discipline. And then he talks about how that we are called Christians are called to judge those things that are within, meaning within the church. We have to make righteous judgment calls. God is called to judge those that are outside the kingdom of God. But we are called to judge from within, and we are to make righteous judgments. 
Chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians goes in to talk about, and I love it. It says, don't you know that one day we're going to judge angels? <laughs> and I always answer that, no. Most Christians do not know that one day we'll judge angels. And so we are supposed to make righteous judgments, and I've already outlined for you how to do that, and uh, that should help a lot of people. Uh, what can we do when we discern unrighteousness? Well, it's a great question because, again, many people do not understand why Jesus gave us a Holy Spirit. Why did Jesus send the Holy Spirit after his ascension? Well, of course, he said he would send the Holy Spirit, and his title is Comforter. So the Holy Spirit came to comfort us. But the Holy Spirit also, in John 14, I think, and in John 16, both, he said that, that the Comforter, when he's come, he will lead and guide us into all truth. Truth. Righteousness is truth. God's truth is always in righteousness. God's path is always in righteousness. God's voice. Isaiah 45 says that God speaks in righteousness. He declares what is right. So, so we have to discern what is righteous and what is unrighteous. How we deal with unrighteousness, we need the Holy Spirit. We have to know the context. We have to know the position of the person and what what God's doing in their life. That's why, you know, loving accountability within the church and the body of Christ is so important that we know one another and that we serve one another. Because just because we see something's unrighteous doesn't mean we are to, to jump in the middle of that or call it out necessarily in certain settings. And we need the Holy Spirit. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. That's my concern about this upcoming election. In 2016, God specifically told me Trump would be the next president, that he would use Trump to, to reveal corruption. Not that Trump was the corruption, like the media will tell you, but he reveals. God uses him, has used him to reveal corruption. And then he said, and I had a mini vision of the streets on fire, that there would be violence like we've never seen. There would be opposition to this man like we've never seen and that we need discernment. We've got to wake up. And so I'm not sure what's going to happen in this election. I haven't heard a rhema word from God. That's why right now the prophets and the voices of the prophets, I think, are vital. Uh, and that we, that we pray that why is Trump so hated? Uh, uh, I can say a lot of negative things about Trump. Uh, but I have to ask myself, why is this man so hated? He used to be loved by his own. The world used to love this man. All the people attacking him, the politicians attacking him, used to solicit him for, for donations and, and loved him. The media loved him. Hollywood loved him. Why do they hate him now? I think and suspect it's because God said he would use him to reveal their corruption. Why does the media hate this man? Because he's the first one to publicly call them out as the fake news. At least he was the first one in, in a high profile. I've been calling the news fake news my entire 40 years of ministry. I've seen the corruption of the media, and I thought it was really bad way back in the 80s. Uh, and it was. But it has become evil and corrupt. Uh, 
at large, and, and they verbally assassinate people. Those are unrighteous judgments they're making, and I'm not always sure how to respond in righteous judgment, but that's the Holy Spirit in my life, that there are times I feel comfortable and the, I bear witness, and the, wit, and the Holy Spirit bears witness, I need to address this, or I need to speak into this. Other times I'm uncomfortable, and so I wait on God. So we need the Holy Spirit in discernment, and then what do we do when we see unrighteousness? All right. What happens when our laws don't follow righteousness? One of our questions that came in was, what happened when the law does not follow righteousness but is a law of unrighteousness? Well, we have an example of that in the book of Acts, specifically Acts chapter 4 uh, and, and 5, where the apostles were commanded to not speak in the name of Jesus, and they came to the conclusion eventually that it's better to obey God than man. I can never obey man by disobeying God. If man passes an evil law, I cannot violate my conscience or God's word if obeying that law causes me to disobey God, then I must obey God. If, if obeying God violates unrighteous law, here's what people don't want to hear. The disciples did suffer the consequences of not obeying that mandate, that edict. And we've got Joe Biden in the White House that is passing edict after edict ungodly law. He's trying to usurp the Supreme Court and overturn Roe v. Wade. He's trying to divert federal funds for abortions. Man, this is evil what's going on, and we have elected evil, corrupt politicians that are going to violate God's moral standards. We've got to continually, if not as quick as possible in an incremental way. We've got to start electing people that are going to bring us back to God, that are going to be, bring us back to sanity. And that's not happening. And so we, we, do have to, we do have to have discernment. That's called righteous judgment. And that comes from the Holy Spirit. I've only got three minutes, but I'd like to start with Elizabeth. Uh, take another call here from Elizabeth from Missouri. Thank you so much for calling, Elizabeth. What is your question? Hi, Pastor Duane. Thank you for taking my Hi. call. Is oh, my, my pleasure. Oh, thank you. It was my understanding that God is the only one that can actually judge a heart. Uh, we can judge actions and make yes. calls on that kind of thing, but we... Yes. I, I, I think you're, you're spot on, and I think we all have to be taught that. We all have to understand that in order for us to maintain righteous judgments, we need to know what lines there are that if we, even as born-again spirit-filled people, if we cross those lines, we're making an unrighteous judgment. And when it comes to the heart of man, no man can know the heart of man. I can't even really know my own heart fully. I have to bring my own heart to the Lord for him to judge it. The heart is, is, is wicked. It, it, it's it's evil, independent of God. And there's a part of all of us and our heart that is, is not right with God. 
The heart is the combination of the spirit and the soul. And while your spirit is righteous and truly holy, your soul is not always righteous and truly holy. Your thoughts, your opinions, your philosophies. And so it's difficult to even judge our own hearts. I don't trust my own heart independent of God, his word. I let it search my heart. I, I get his word in my heart. I hide his word in my heart and it sanctifies me. It sets me apart that I may not sin against God. So I can't even judge my own heart without God's help. I certainly cannot judge other people's hearts. So thank you for the call, Elizabeth, and thank you for the discernment. That That's why I just taught earlier in Matthew chapter 7 that Jesus told us to, to judge the way we want to be judged. I don't want people misjudging my heart, so I'm not going to misjudge other people's heart. I don't know the heart of Joe Biden. I only know his actions, and every one of them are contrary to, to my biblical worldview. I just know he celebrates and his actions, and now even deferring federal funds to abortion clinics, that's evil. And I make a righteous judgment there. Now, with that, I can't judge Joe Biden and his heart and condemn him but God will judge him. He will stand. I can make a righteous judgment, and I can say right now to Joe Biden himself, the president of the United States, you're going to stand before God and give an account for every word you've spoken, every lie that you have spoken. You'll give an account for that in the day of judgment, and it's going to condemn you. Repent. This is what the apostles did. They commanded people to repent. They would preach the gospel. They would preach about judgment to come, we're not under the judgment of God right now. We're under God's mercy and grace, but there's judgment coming. And so he would warn, the apostles would warn the people of the judgment to come and then command them to repent, repent. And so thank you, Elizabeth, for the call. I really appreciate the feedback. And I, I, think, I think you've helped a lot of people even with your call. Well, I'll be back in 90 seconds. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events. You were created with a purpose. Written in the heart of God. Long before you were born, He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Hey everyone, welcome back to Truth and Liberty. I'm your host today, Dwayne Sheriff, and I'm enjoying sharing. I'm enjoying the feedback. 
I was in some services this weekend. I travel quite a bit and I minister all over the country. And uh, I appreciate the feedback so much. And there were people in this particular service I was in that enjoyed Truth and Liberty and they were encouraging me in, in the show and in what God is doing. So I appreciate the feedback. That's why we welcome the questions and the comments. I believe that Truth and Liberty is going to be a source of information as the culture unravels, as we go into this next election cycle, and there, somebody said, you believe there's going to be fraud and election interference? We already are seeing fraud. We're already seeing election interference by the White House and those that are in power right now. Uh, these fraudulent lawsuits against Trump is political per persecution and desiring prosecution. Many are trying to get him taken off of the ballots. And immature, carnal Christians at large sit there and go, well, he needs to be off the ballot. He's this, he's that, I don't like his tweets. And on and on they go, not realizing if they're allowed to take him off the ballot and they are fraudulently elected again, then we've lost election integrity. We've lost the value of the vote to peacefully make change in our country and, and transition from corruption and the corruption that we're experiencing now. Your vote is, is, is holy. Our Constitution is a peaceful means that the forefathers gave us to bring about healthy, productive change. And once you eliminate that, you have tyranny and despotism. You have anarchy. You have a police state that like the FBI that came into Paul Vaughn's home, that protester of an abortion clinic that peacefully protested and arrested him and is imprisoning him and the people that peacefully protested, fining them hundreds of thousands of dollars. People see that and they don't have any discernment. Where's this going? That if we stand for life now, is, is, is the KGB going to come after us? Are they going to arrest us? Are they going to cast us into the gulags? That's, that's where we're headed. And people don't know how to make a righteous, a righteous judgment. So as we come into these elections, man, truth and liberty is going to be a place where you can get information and, and, and many of us desire to speak into our culture and make righteous judgments, but we want to do it again righteously. Well, let's go back to the phones, and then I've got some other questions that are just excellent. We got Rafael, Rafael from Mexico. Wow, thank you so much for calling from Mexico, Rafael. Uh, what's, your, what's your question, please? Hey, hello, uh, Brother Dwayne. Uh, it's a pleasure. It's a privilege, really, to be here. Uh, you are actually my my pastor from long distance, Praise. of course, and we always watch Praise God. On Sundays, Sundays <laughs> and now, and all now that we know uh, on Wednesday, Wednesday uh, with your son Jacob, uh, we are so yes. blessed for everything. Everything you teach is man, it's just awesome. I, I love it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so hey, much. pray and, for us, Raphael. Don't mean to interrupt yeah. you. I'll come back to you. I'll give you. Of, I'll of give course. you. Uh, I'll give you plenty of time. Uh, man, yeah. I believe the Lord's speaking to me about doing some curriculum for home churches and for rural churches that are small churches. 
some some teaching that is focused on that home church and people that are unable to find a a good church just oh. to be at least a a season where I can help them out. And so we're praying about uh, my rhythms of grace and, and how to do yeah. some curriculum. So you really encouraged me by calling. Let's go to your question right, now. Uh, okay, thank you so much. No, it's just it is awesome, and I will be glad to. Um, yeah, my question is, I'm actually asking for my mom um, because she just heard you. I mean, I, I well, let me uh, a little bit of, of um, backtracking. I always translate for her because she doesn't understand English. So uh-huh. we were listening to you just a while, a while back and uh, a while ago, and you mentioned that you uh, had a heart attack, and uh, yes. we are familiar with the story and with the testimony. And you mentioned that you you didn't know that your mother and your grandmother, right? Am I right? Uh, she had the same correct. thing. Correct. Yeah, I'm correct. Correct. Okay. My question is, um, my when she listened to that. She said to me, uh, but I thought the generational curses or diseases were were gone once you are born again. Uh, but what does that mean? Do, do, does it mean that we have to condemn them again? Or would you yeah. elaborate a, a bit? Yeah, it, it, it's just a, an excellent question. Um, I appreciate it so much. Uh, and I need to be careful here. Uh, I, think, I think we can take what is called generally these generational curses and we can begin to to blame a lot of our behavior character flaws and even genetics on these generational curses but the bible does talk about the sins of the fathers and iniquities being passed down to the children um, uh, up to the third and fourth generation and so there are things that can be transferred generationally that are negative things, physically, emotionally, um, strongholds. You know, it's common <clears throat> that an alcoholic father, the very son that, that hates his father for his alcoholism becomes an alcoholic. Uh, uh, but I need to be as brief as possible here. But when we get born again, I do believe that in Christ, all of those things and generational iniquities, generational spirits, whatever they may be, are broken and that we are free from all of that. On the, on the other hand, there is the natural and just like the genetics. I was told that that was a genetic thing passed down probably my great-grandmother and on my mother's side and on and on it could go. Uh, had this issue, and in the natural, evidently, it was genetically transferred to me. But here's where, here's where our faith trumps genetics. I refuse to believe, and I'm four years now on the other side of that, standing against not only me having inferior veins, uh, evidently, I'm told that is a genetic thing that I inherited. But see, the Bible trumps genetics. Faith trumps genetics. Faith in Christ and in the stripes of Jesus, it doesn't matter if my veins are inferior. I'm healed. And so in a way, you could say I broke by faith in Christ any generational transfer 
even physically in genetics. Now, I have now prayed against this for my children, that regardless of what natural connectivity and DNA I have with my children, they are blessed and they are operating in a generational blessing. So in a sense, you could say the buck stops here. I reverse the curse by faith in Christ and the cross. And now I believe for my children and my children need to mix faith. And they have mixed faith now with the word of God that they are healed and my grandkids are healed. So I hope that helps. I just know that many people get caught up in this teaching on generational curses and everything's a generational curse now. And I do not believe that. On the other hand, I do believe we have to stand on our faith for our physical bodies and that in the natural, some things are genetic. But there's psychological transfer from generation to generation. Uh, my grandfather was a moonshiner in the hills of Tennessee. And he had something like five moonshine camps. And he produced moonshine and trafficked moonshine even across states to survive. Uh, they were very poor. I'm not justifying uh, any kind of unrighteousness because of poverty. But at that time, they saw no way out of poverty. And so in the, in the building of these, these, these stills, he was a bona fide alcoholic. I found out all of my uncles were alcoholics. I had an Uncle Joe that died uh, straining sterno. I don't know if you even know what that is, many of you, but it's a, it's a little round thing like this that you can light. It's got so much alcohol in it, and it's for a deer camp to cook with or to light up a room. And he strained it and drank it, and he wound up dying. But he was an alcoholic his whole life. And it's like my grandfather was an alcoholic, and somehow or another he passed that on in character trait, psychological transfer to all my uncles. My dad overcame it but struggled with it. Uh, but I put my foot down and said, no, I'm not going to be a third uh, generation that condones and carries on alcoholism. And so many things, uh, they run through families. And, and I'm not saying when I say generational curse, I'm not talking about like the curse of the law and, and, and just curses even from God. I'm talking about that that there are psychological curses, physical curses, uh, in the sense of we just follow the flow of this. Um, so, gosh, I hope that helped. It's not easy to explain that. I, I'll give you a second for some feedback, uh, Raphael. Did that help at least? No, that helps so much. Uh, actually, I was about to ask you, but you you answered me. Um, she's dealing with some issues of... of uh, some sort of like uh, the arthritis, the beginnings of arthritis, because her mother had the, her hands like I mean, all twisted up. So she asked me, well, "What can I do against this?" And you just mentioned that we can stand up and defend by faith what what yes. is already ours uh, with the healing. Amen. That remains. And also, yeah, you answered me already. Uh, that's the only question I well, have. But yeah, you cleared up the whole thing for me. Thank yeah. you so much. I mean, when I was serving Jesus at seven years of age and up, no one in my family was serving the Lord. 
and 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 I changed that and made a a conscious commitment to put a stake in the ground and say all of my family does not need to live ungodly lives. And now I have four children that love Jesus and serve Jesus, and and three of them are in full time ministry. One of them is a minister, uh, just not in full time ministry, and a, a mom, and awesome. And now all my grandchildren, I have 11 grandchildren, and to date, there's no guarantees. They have a free will, but to date, they all love Jesus, and they're, they're seeking Jesus uh, from the youngest one up. And so we can pass on blessings, is my point, versus all this death. So thank you, Raphael, for calling. Uh, again, the number is 719-619-2341. 719 619 Two, three, four, one. Let's take some more uh, questions. Um, this is a great question. How can I be assured that our choice choices, or how can we be assured that our choices are righteous? That's a good, a good question. That if if we're going to go our own way, the way that seemeth right, there is a way that seemeth right, righteous unto man but the way or the end thereof are the ways of death, the scriptures teach. So there is self-righteousness. There is man's righteousness. There is the, the cultural definition of righteousness. My goodness, people not only call evil good and good evil, Isaiah prophesied of this in Isaiah 5.20, but they'll actually promote something evil and say that it is righteous and truly holy. I've heard politicians and some media outlets talk about certain behaviors that the Bible says is an abomination. It's an outright perversion. It'll destroy your soul and your body. And they will say that it is righteous to call it normal. It is righteous to celebrate it. It's righteous to mandate it and legislate it. It's righteous to in, introduce it to our children at, at ages of five to eight years old, these abominations, these unrighteous acts that the Bible clearly defines. And so the only way we can know if we are righteous in a judgment or discernment is to embrace God's righteousness. You cannot determine righteousness independent of the word of God independent of the kingdom of God. And so the only way we can make righteous judgments is to judge in accordance to the word of God and in line with the principles of God's, of God's kingdom. We have to have principles in our life. We have to have foundations that are Judeo-Christian principles and our judgments have to align with those Judeo-Christian principles. There are absolutes, and so you have to learn the absolutes. What are the absolutes? You'll have people today that'll get right in your face. I've had people in meetings argue with me that there are no absolutes. And while they're arguing, they're defeating their own argument. They're saying there are no absolutes. That's an absolute. <laughs> they are using an absolute to discredit the reality of absolutes by saying there is no absolutes. There are absolutes. Adultery has always been wrong. It's still wrong. Listen, if the Lord tarries another 2,000 years, 
adultery will still be wrong no matter what the culture says, no matter what college professors say, no matter how many surveys come out, that you can build a healthy marriage by swapping wives, wife swapping. I don't know what it's called. Uh, uh, but anyway, there's, there's, there's a, a wife swapping teaching and doctrine of improving your marriage by sharing your wives one with another. That is ungodly. That is immoral. That's evil. And that'll destroy your marriage, not build a healthy marriage. And yet, if you don't know God's word, it's clear that before the law, murder was wrong, adultery was wrong, fornication was wrong, stealing was wrong. Under the law, these things were wrong. And now after the law, they're still wrong. Those are called Judeo-Christian principles. Male and female is a Judeo-Christian principle. It's inwoven into God's creation. God is the author of our gender, as I've already stated, and he made two of them, male and female. See, if you don't know that, that's God's righteousness. You'll make unrighteous judgments in the name of false compassion, in the name of, of some perverted unity or peace. On and on it goes. So that's how you know you got to know God's word and the constants of his kingdom. All right, our next question. What can we do when our pastors are judgmental and drive people away from God? Well, that's a great question, and it's difficult to answer again. It, it, it takes a Holy Spirit and the leading of the Holy Spirit to know what you need to do if that's your pastor. But... I would go to my pastor if I felt and I was leaning toward a righteous judgment of he's being judgmental in condemning and driving people away. I would go and talk to him. That's, that's an offense to you. Then you go to your brother. Don't offer your gift even at, at church or at the altar, but go to your brother and reconcile this. I promise you in most cases, if you'll just go to your pastor and talk about it, either you will see something that they're trying to do and make a stand for, and it may change your judgment, or you may help your pastor even understand that while we need to judge what God has judged, we need to be merciful to people. So maybe you can contribute to his spiritual development in being more merciful and, and kind to people that are struggling. So Every situation is different, and that's why Jesus told us, go to one another and reconcile these differences. When my judgment is this and your judgment is that, if it's, if it's a critical judgment, I need to, to go to you about it. All right, let's go to one of my favorite callers. I was wondering if you was going to make it today, Frank. Frank from Missouri. Uh, love you, man. Uh, thanks for calling. You know, praise the Lord, man. You know, I just love love talking to you and asking these spiritual questions from you because you're the man that's got the answer. Hallelujah. The answer, the Bible well, answer, man. Amen. <laughs> I, I only know in part, I guarantee you, and I'm prophesying in part. Oh, God has just blessed me that most of the time I can give my part. So, but thank you, Frank. Yeah, so, so the blessing of the question, I got a question, but I got to tell you, man, that, that I'm I'm still using this book. I, uh, and and the other day was like I was going to preach this when Alec and uh, 
Lauren Green was on, but the Holy Ghost wouldn't let me do it. But I got the, your book, and I wrote this in front in the in the in, what do you call it, the white page of your front book. So if I could share it for, for <laughs> about thirty seconds, it's, yeah, go. And, and this, is a, this is a quote from a uh, Reinhard Bonnke. And it's yeah, a, he when, was awesome. When his, yeah, when his holy blood was flowing, that has the power to forgive all. And I got a question around this. And when his holy blood was flowing, that has the power to forgive all of our sins. And when Jesus cried from the cross, it is finished. And at that moment, a brand new law entered the world. The law of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. And this I Amen. Or as I call it, this is, this is Bonky saying, or as I call it, it is the law of salvation. We don't need to despair those of us who are, un, are under the law of sin and death because there's a greater law here today. It's Amen. the law of salvation, and you will escape the law of sin and death. Absolutely. Awesome. So, so my, my question, that's in the front of your book, by the way. I, I, I put that in there. <laughs> well, that's probably we, better than anything in my book. So no, congratulations. No, we, there's some really powerful <laughs> stuff in there that I'm, I'm going to be Amen. using. Anyways, that the, uh, the, the, the blessing of the Lord. I, I wanted to ask uh, about, do uh, uh, you think when you're born again or when salvation comes to you that, you know, we sing songs like, Praise God, his royal blood now flows through my veins, and I was wretched before now. I say, praise God, I'm a child of the king. Do you think that that's right. a, like a literal spiritual, I, physical transfusion? Yeah, and, yeah that, uh, well, that Jesus' blood? Well, you may, you may have already uh, stumped me as answering questions. Uh, I would encourage you to, to call in and, and ask Andrew about that, uh, there's a mystery still involved with the new creation. And what does it literally mean, the blood of Jesus, and it flows through our veins? Um, I'm not sure, I'm not sure I could say that the literal blood of Jesus is in my literal physical veins, but there is a vein of faith and the new creation where we are all made one by the very blood of Jesus Christ. And so mysteries are divine secrets that are hidden in God. And I'm not sure literally how to translate that, but I think it's an excellent question and I'll pursue perhaps a deeper understanding. But I do believe it is the blood of Jesus and that we've all been made one new man. And that new man is, is in Jesus and it's a spiritual man, and that is fueled and made alive by his very blood. So in this body of Christ, which is a mystery, we are Jesus's body, and uh, it's real. It's not just theology uh, to, to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus talked about that, that he, was, he was a... a, a, a uh, naked, and they clothed him. He was in prison. Um, he he was an outcast, 
and they took him in. They fed him. He was thirsty. He was in prison, and they visited him. And man, they said, Lord, when did we see you like this? And he said, if you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. So we are mystically, I hate to use that word. It can be used in a negative connotation, but we are mystically, miraculously united to Jesus in spirit. We are one spirit with the Lord, and we are his body on the earth. So I do believe there is something to the blood of Jesus in his body that is a mystery, that it is our life. Life is in the blood. And so whether it's physically in this natural body, which I lean to think not, there is a blood that has unified you and me, Frank, and all the Christians around the world in the body of Christ, and that is his very, his very blood. So thank you for the call. I love you, man. Um, I'm running out of time. I need to, I need to uh, uh, get to some of these other questions and any other callers. Uh, but is there an, a follow-up needed on that? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. You know, it doesn't take somebody with a theological degree in order to be able to say yes to the Lord and yes to what you're, what you're saying. That, uh, yeah, and, you know, when the scripture starts jumping up off the page, like, you know, these two scriptures here, yeah. brother, and I know it ain't about me, yeah. but Hebrew, Hebrews 8 and 6, that, that he obtained a more excellent ministry. Take that over to Hebrews 9 and 12. And that more excellent ministry is with his own blood entered the That's exactly right. Amen. I'm going to have to go to my next call, Frank, but I guarantee you the book of Leviticus talks about the blood of that lamb was put on the horns of the altar and then sprinkled on the people. And so the blood of Jesus testifies in heaven of our eternal redemption and total forgiveness, and God remembers our sins no more. Now, by faith, we literally apply that blood by faith to purge our conscience from all of these dead works so we can continue to serve the Lord. So you got the blood of the Lord in heaven and the blood of the Lord on the earth that through repentance now and Jesus, my new high priest, I get cleansed constantly from a defiled conscience because of all the evil and dirt in this world. So thank you for the call. I'm running out of time. Let me take Kathy from Alabama. Kathy, thank you for calling. I've only got a few more minutes. Uh, what is your question, please? Hi, Pastor Dwayne, and thank you so much for Hi. all you do. We appreciate you. My quick question is, what are your thoughts and your biblical thoughts on cremation? Wow, <laughs> you got me right at the end uh, of the broadcast. Um, this is where we have to be so careful as ministers, I believe, in our personal convictions versus the truth of God's word and in general. And from dust we came and from dust we'll return. I personally am comfortable with the traditional burial of my body uh, in the ground, uh, but I don't necessarily think cremation is wrong or I would never condemn or judge anybody else for being cremated. I, 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 I'm not positive if the other host would have a different view. I think it's an excellent question. Uh, but uh, personally, I, I don't believe that it's necessarily wrong and that's a personal conviction 
uh, with what you do with your body. Ultimately, our bodies wind up decaying and returning to the dust from whence they came. Uh, and cremation just absolutely, obviously speeds that process up. Uh, but I think it's a personal conviction. Um, if I'm wrong about that, another host could clear that up a little bit. That's kind of where I'm at right now and my judgment call on that. So thank you for calling. Uh, I really appreciate it, Kathy. I wish I could be more specific, but that's kind of where I'm at with, with that issue. Uh, here's a good question. I'm just running out of time. Uh, do we have to wait until people act out in order to know their heart? Well, I, I get the heart of the question that we do need to see people's actions before we make a righteous judgment. But the way we know our own heart and the way we know the heart of others, as Jesus said, out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth will speak. So our words betray our hearts. Whatever's really in our hearts will come out in our words. So in time, I can judge to a measure what's in my own heart by the words that are coming out of my mouth. Um, secondly, uh, Jesus said we would know we would know a tree by its fruits. Uh, so those are actions. So I don't know that I can say, hey, we got to wait till people act out before we know their heart. And in one way, as a caller um, brought out, we really can't know totally the heart of anybody. And so we have to be cautious and careful. But I can know my own heart to a measure <clears throat> by the words of my mouth and then by the actions of my life. Well, this has been another edition of Truth and Liberty. This will be archived on our website, and you can go back and access all of our archived Truth and Liberty broadcast. You can watch them on demand. Don't miss tomorrow. David and the host that, that Alex is having on, uh, he is a fantastic thinker, and I just I know you're going to be blessed. Well, again, it's been a pleasure and a blessing to host today. Thanks for being a part of Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.